Let's wrap up all the action from this NASCAR weekend. If you're joining us for the first time, my name is Taylor Kitchen, and this is Above the Yellow Line, where we talk all about NASCAR. It's the second half of the season. Finally, we are refreshed after the off weekend. We are ready to get right back into it, recapping these races and giving you up-to-date news on everything in the world of NASCAR. So here we go. Leading 99 laps, winning in his team's hometown, Ross Chastain captures his first win of 2023 in Trackhouse Racing's first win of 2023. It was clear that Ross had one of the best cars all weekend long, but the focus wasn't always on him. It was on the Toyotas for the most part. Last year, I felt like they gave it away a little bit with a late race caution. They decided to pit. It was again another story of the Chevys had the long game strategy and were able to play it out well. The Toyotas yet again miss out this year. In second place was Martin Truex Jr., one of the best cars all weekend long. Same with third place Denny Hamlin, who really showed his strength during the second half of this race. In fourth place, Chase Elliott. This is the best finish that he's had since he's returned to the track after his injury. In fifth, Kyle Larson. This is another instance where he should not have finished inside the top 10 based on where he was running this entire race, but somehow he finished in the best position that he had ran all day on Sunday, so props to him and his team as always. Sixth place is their teammate, William Byron. Seventh, Christopher Bell. We gotta stop and talk about the eighth place finisher of Eric Jones, though. This is the first time since Atlanta that Legacy Motor Club has had a top 10 finish. This is three top 10 finishes for that team this year, and they all come from Eric Jones. The success for the 43 team this weekend did not come from a unique strategy call, at least from what I saw. It was purely just outright speed, not making mistakes, hitting the marks perfectly. I, I think Eric Jones executed really well, and this is a result that Legacy Motor Club desperately needs because their season is not the best. It is a really bad season. It's going to go down in history as a what could have been for this team, especially with how well they performed last year. They were contending for races. Hopefully, this is a good sign for Legacy Motor Club, especially just the 43 team. They can kick it into high gear for the second half of the season and could potentially contend for race wins. If that's too unrealistic, though, we can at least contend for some top 10s. In ninth place, we have Kyle Busch fought back from a pit road penalty. And in 10th, AJ Allmendinger. Overall, it was a solid weekend for that colleague team. Not only at win in Xfinity, but qualifying in the third position for Justin Haley for the cup race. He didn't finish as well as he should have based on his qualifying position. He finished in the 23rd spot. But AJ Allmendinger was able to pick up from that. So really solid day for the 16 team and just colleague as a whole. That is a weekend that they desperately needed. I want to go back and talk about Chastain real quick and why this win is so significant. Not only, again, was this a win in that team's hometown, but this was a win that Chastain got from just being clean. He didn't ruffle any feathers during the race. There was no wrecking people out. There was no bumping and banging into the cars next to him to get position. It was a clean and solid race, showing that Ross Chastain can win a race and he can be a clean racer and get good results. So I think it put a lot of the haters to rest a little bit after this weekend with Ross. So that's something to keep in mind as well. He was able to win a race without racing too aggressively or I guess dirty. Now I want to talk about some of the guys that did not do so hot during this race, finished outside the top 10. One of those drivers being Tyler Reddick. It seems to be every time Michael Jordan is at the track in person for his team, 
they falter. They don't do well. Um, Tyler Reddick, he was starting to spin out, lost control of the car, started to go down the pit road, and the tire came off. Um, NASCAR then gave him a penalty of just going to the back of the pack just because this wasn't a tire lost on the track. It was on pit road. That would have been a two-lap penalty, but this was on pit road, so it's a an entirely different penalty. Just wanting to clear that up there. But Reddick was in contention for the win, though, up until that point. It was between him and Ross Chastain pretty much. Obviously, you know, the other Toyotas of Truex and Hamlin were really, really strong, but this was one that I think Reddick let slip from his fingers. This was one that he definitely could have won. Granted, not really sure how the team would have made adjustments through the night and how well those adjustments would have kept up like the other Toyota's teammates that he has. But still, I think this is one that Tyler Reddick's going to look back on and be like, this was what I had and we let it go. This isn't just one finishing position I'm going to talk about next. This is an entire team uh, because Stuberhaus Racing still is baffling me with their results. Kevin Harvick, he was running in fourth, and then he had a right rear tire go down, and it killed his day. And if this tells you anything, the highest finishing Ford of that day was Ryan Priest in the 17th position. That's not good. I mean, good for Stuart Haas Racing for leading the charge for the Fords, but still, it's still another abysmal day for Stuart Haas Racing and the Fords. They are just off the pace from the rest of the pack. There are only two Ford wins from Joey Logano and Ryan Blaney this season. Just totally not at all with what the other manufacturers are able to do. Toyota is always in the mix. They might not be able to always close it out. The Chevys are as strong and as dominant as ever, but the Fords are nowhere in that mix. With that tire issue, Kevin Harvick finished 24th. Almirola was really not even in the mix at all during that race. He finished 25th. Same with Chase Briscoe, who finished 31st. In case you missed it or you did not know, Josh Berry was finally officially announced to the four for 2024. And my concern is, Kevin Harvick is the most consistent driver that team has had in years. He is able to get consistent results within the top 10 where that equipment should be. When you remove Kevin Harvick from this equation next year and you're left with Josh Berry, Ryan Priest, potentially Eric Almirola, he still isn't sure if he's going to return next year, and then Chase Briscoe, you have a team of young drivers that have not really done a whole lot of good in the Cup Series or even haven't had a full season in the Cup Series yet. Chase Briscoe, I know, had a great year last year, but this year, they've really done nothing, and it's going to be a lot for this team to build on in 2024. So I'm hoping Josh Berry can bring that consistency to the team that they need with Kevin Harvick leaving. But that's something I just keep in my mind over and over again as these weeks go on and Stuart Haas Racing continues to struggle. They've had some good weekends, don't get me wrong, but they're not consistent the way they should be. In the last position, not finishing this race, was Ryan Blaney. We got to talk about this wreck because it was incredibly scary, and there's a lot of discourse online about it. So on that restart, following that Tyler Reddick tire issue where the tire fell off on pit road, Brakislawski said he got hit from behind. He lost the shifter, and it held up the rest of the field. Everyone got bunched up, and in turn, Ryan Blaney ended up spinning into the wall, not a safer barrier, a concrete wall by Pitt Road. After he was released from the infield care center, Ryan Blaney said that was the hardest hit he has had in his life and that not having a safer barrier right there was ridiculous. And if he had to pay for one, he would. 
And I agree. The fact that there was not a safer barrier there was ridiculous. And I'm sure there is a reasonable explanation as to why all around the track, whether it's the inside wall or that outside wall, it's not all safer barrier. Bob Podcrest even said the experts that NASCAR consults with makes recommendations as to where these safer barriers should go. And when we have newer tracks to the schedule, they make plans to implement those, but they have not done that quick enough. NASCAR issued a statement about this wreck as well, saying, quote, NASCAR safety engineers work closely with safety experts on the implementation of barriers around the track. As we do following every race weekend, we will evaluate all data and make any necessary improvements. We should have been proactive with putting safer barrier around the entire track, not just in certain spots, but that's also me looking on this from the outside. And maybe NASCAR is going to make changes with this in the future. I'm not sure. But for me, we need to be proactive about this stuff. There's sometimes where we can't be because we don't know the safety issue until a wreck happens or something like that. And maybe that's what this is going to do. This wreck that Ryan Blaney was in is going to do and bring up to NASCAR. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to be curious how NASCAR responds to this. Of course, like that quote said, they're going to be looking at all data and seeing what they can do to make changes in the future. Uh, so yeah, but a very, very scary wreck. I'm glad Ryan was able to get out of the car under his own power. He seems to be okay. We'll keep you updated if anything comes out about this wreck, Ryan Blaney, throughout the week. He did post on social media today, said he's gearing up. He's getting ready for Chicago street course. So, so far, it looks like he's going to be racing. Uh, I, we kind of compared it a little bit to Noah Gregson's wreck at Gateway because it was another kind of head-on type of in impact. So We'll have to see, but so far so good from Ryan Blaney. Just wishing that we had those safety measures in place before we got to that point. We've recapped all the action. Now let's take a look at the points. Obviously, Ross Chastain winning the Ally 400. He becomes the 11th different winner so far in 2023. He stacks himself fifth in the playoff grid, highest amongst those who have won one race only. Now around the cutoff line is where I want to focus. With a solid day at Sonoma and a top 10 at Nashville, Almendinger moves to just 24 points below the cutoff line. And Ty Gibbs is only 10 points below that cutoff line. Right above him, we have Alex Bowman, who is minus two. And right above him, above the cutoff line in that 16th position is Daniel Suarez, plus two. There's going to be an intense battle between those three, at least. I think Almendinger can put himself into the mix if he continues to be consistent. And above Suarez, there's about a 28-point gap between him and Bubba Wallace, who is plus 30 to the good. And I'm sure you're wondering about Chase Elliott. Where is he in the point standings? Well, he sits 25th right now, and NASCAR.com actually did the math to see if he could get in the round of 16 on points alone. And it is possible. It actually is. And I'm shocked. They actually wrote down where he would have to finish in each race or better to be able to point his way in if there were still enough slots available in the round of 16, if we don't have 16 different winners and just depending on the points of everybody else. But for the Nashville race, he had to finish, I believe, 10th or better. And he finished in the fourth position. So, so far, so good. The races I am concerned for him, though, are that Daytona race, that cutoff race, if he has not won yet, and the Chicago street course race. That one is going to be chaotic. I don't think all the drivers are guaranteed to win. I see chaos happening and only like half the field is left. I could be totally wrong. And that's a prediction I don't want to be right about, but I also know all the drivers are expecting that race to be wild. Um, so it's going to be a wild card, but Chase Elliott has to finish really good there. Essentially for the rest of the regular season, he has to finish 10th or better. If I'm remembering correctly, in order to just point his way in, if he does not get a win for the rest of the regular season. 
Now let's rate this brace on a scale of zero to 100, making sure it is above a 50% above the yellow line. Let's talk about where we would rate Nashville. The concern for me going into this race was it was going to look a little bit like the Xfinity Series race. Granted, the Xfinity Series raced in the middle of the day where it was going to be the hottest, the track is going to be the slickest, there was not a lot of grip, the high line did not work for those drivers, and there were spins literally I felt like every five laps. It was a mess. With the Cup Series race, though, because we're racing at night, the track is not as hot. There's a little bit more grift there, and luckily, every single groove seemed to work for these drivers. The only issue we continue to have with any package that we really put out there this season, and even any package with the Gen 7 car, is the issue of aerodynamics and dirty air. Even then, we had drivers three wide on restarts for more than three laps, four laps, maybe even five laps for position, especially I'm thinking of that battle between Truex, Byron and Chastain for the lead. They were three wide for almost four laps. That was really exciting to watch. And you were able to really jockey for position. Drivers were in close quarters with each other. We saw some drama during this race too, which can make it entertaining. But overall, this track produced a really great product for these Gen 7 cars. The broadcast, too, with NBC back was also spectacular. With that said, uh, this has to be one of my favorite races of the year so far, maybe like in the top five. I did not look at my other ratings before this, so hopefully that is an on-par statement. I'm going to give this race an 88%, definitely making it above the yellow line. You're probably like, well, Taylor, let's talk about the Chicago street race. Let's do it right now. We're not going to do that right now. We're going to do this during the live stream on Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toby Christie Com channel. So make sure to watch that. Uh, we'll talk all about who's going to be in those races, Xfinity and Cup, what to look out for, kind of the track layout. Everything about the Chicago street race, even our opinions on it, we're going to be talking about in that live stream. So make sure to join us then to get notifications on when we're going to be live. Make sure to follow us on our social media pages at underscore Taylor kitchen underscore on Twitter and TikTok. above the line on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. And of course, Toby Christie com on all social media platforms. It is good to be back for the second half of the season. Thank you all for joining me today and supporting the channel. And until next time, I'll see ya. Bye. Want to watch more great motorsports content? Make sure to watch the videos on the screen and click the links in the description.